you know, we're going to have to like do a better introduction and we don't have any theme music. We got we so used to, don't. That's right. we got nothing. So we, <laughs> it's just going to make our own music. Huh? We got to make our own cold opening about, uh, you know, welcome to footnotable and all that kind of good stuff. This, this may be it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's just, Hey guys, how y'all doing? <laughs> hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, it's me, Dave in a closet and yeah, then Orin back somewhere else. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, if you are, if you are tuning in uh, to this episode, we do appreciate you joining us because um, we always are glad to have you guys listen in, but mm-hmm. today for our recording purposes, we've had to go old school as far old as Footnotable is concerned. So I am back in my closet. And We're going 2020 style here, Dave. This is 2020. Well, and in many, many ways. Yes, We're right. going 2020 style. And we're having to do this because uh, COVID has made its way to the Rhymes household. Mm. And my wife uh, has been diagnosed with COVID. Um, thankfully, she has mild symptoms right now. She's just very fatigued. And so she's, she's resting, sleeping a lot. But we've spent the last 24 hours, you know, going normal life and then all of a sudden full stop yeah, thrown man. thrown into quarantine mode school work the whole shebang and so it's it's been it's, our heads are still spinning a little bit but i think we're we're starting to kind of get a, a sense of what the next uh, you know several days are going to have to be like yeah, for the, so, yeah at least another week and a half or so yeah yeah so we're grateful that you know it's just the fatigue uh, otherwise, you know, she kind of feels, she feels okay. Yeah. Uh, just, just, just no energy, just kind of zapped. Um, but, um, anyway, so no. we wanted to put this in, this uh, episode out for you guys anyway. So here I sit in my closet or, I have no idea where you are. I'm in my bedroom at in my your desk. bedroom. Yeah. At your desk. That uh, sounds a lot more official and professional Well, than I am my closet. If- if you saw my desk, it would not look professional at all. So, <laughs> does it does it in any way mirror your desk at your office? It, it very much so. Yeah, books okay. everywhere. Yeah. Nothing. Everything is where I want it to be. I just have far too many things on my desk. Yeah. And so, uh, yes, my desk at the office every once in a while gets clean, but for the most part, um, is is not uh, great. But people do say that's the sign of genius. Or yeah, laziness. My, I'm not sure which my, which my, one in my case. <laughs> my dad is fond of saying a clean desk is a sign of a sick mind. That's right. I love your so, dad for that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll just we'll take it we'll take it as it is. That's right. As long as you can hear me today, that all that matters. Yep. So yep. today we are continuing our discussion on discipleship. That's right. So last week you kind of got into what is it. This mm-hmm. week we're going to talk about well, how do we do it. Yeah. Because as the great philosopher of the 20th century once said, times, they are a changing. And uh, that was <laughs> that was Bob Dylan. Uh, and, Mr. Dylan himself, yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, that's true words because, yeah. look, times just change, mm-hmm. right? They always no, change. It's, no it's never like it was before. Uh, you know, before. Mm-hmm. And it's changed in a lot of major ways in our own country. Mm-hmm. And a lot of churches are left with the old standbys yeah. of, of discipleship. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, how do you do it? Like evangelism, discipleship, the methodology is is dated. Yep. And so there's a lot of things in those methodologies that are super solid, absolutely solid, very biblical. Mm-hmm. But they were developed and implemented during a time that was vastly different than the time we live in now. Exactly. And the time we live in now has become different rapidly, more rapidly than any other time, probably in our modern history. Yeah, we didn't even anticipate how fast things were going to change. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's been it's been a wild ride, and it's, it really does feel like we're just sort of like white knuckling the bar in front of us as we just speed over the the hump on you know, the roller coaster, right? right. On the, right. I mean, it's just incredible. Like we know it's going to be fast, mm-hmm. like. You know, back back when we were younger and we would actually ride those things, like you knew how fast that roller coaster was going to be. But that first dip, man, just your stomach's up into your eyeballs. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, this is nuts. Yeah. And, and, and when, when you're not expecting out. it, when you're not yeah. expecting it, it yeah. it's uh, it's a shock to your system for a yeah. minute there until you get kind of get used to the uh, to the ride. So, so to speak. Yeah. And so what what you and I have talked about quite a bit and what we're sharing with our church family these days is 
while the principles of discipleship have not changed over the centuries, those are always the same. The methods that we use to reach other people require some adaptation and some uh, different approach, different perspective, because uh, as much as people are still sinners throughout all time, um, and uh, as much as we are like those that came before us, there are many ways we think differently than those that came before us. So our efforts as disciple makers has mm-hmm. to consider how people think about God and about spiritual matters and about the church yeah. and about um, about all matters of life. And so discipleship, while very much like what it was in the Bible and ever since, the methods we approach it with have to change with the times so that we can communicate the gospel to the to a new generation. Yeah, same message, but different methods yeah. in order to make sure we're making the connecting uh, points with people because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. discipleship really is a useless endeavor if we're not actually connecting with people. Right. Uh, that's that's really the point. I mean, so I can have truth, and that truth can be rock solid. It can be from God, which our mm-hmm. gospel is. But if that just in no way connects with someone, right. then I might as well re- be reading the back of a cereal box to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so discipleship really has to be something we think through, yeah. and we consider our culture and our times and how to get this timeless truth of the gospel to people who have very much changed and developed yep. as as far as like how they think and value and perceive the world. Yeah. I, th- I, have, I thought of an example. I think that most, most everybody can relate to. Have you ever had a bad math teacher in school, Dave? Just one. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and, but but yeah. you also had a, you had a good math teachers. Well, math is a very objective uh, science, right? Like it's, it's the principles are the same. Getting to the answers are generally the same, right? The good math teachers are able to communicate the principles and the methods to you so that you can find the solution. The good math teachers know their audience. They know the age of their audience, the thinking of their audience, so that they can instruct them. What we're doing in discipleship is simply knowing who we're speaking to and speaking with so we can get to the end result, which is hopefully them knowing Christ and giving their lives to to Jesus. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great example. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone can relate to that. You know, when yeah. you have uh, that, that math teacher that it's all it's all facts and figures. Math works mm-hmm. because math yeah. is math. Mm-hmm. But you get the wrong person in there trying to communicate that and it just it doesn't work at all. Exactly I, can, right. I remember having a, a math class at LC where, where you and I went yeah. and we were all bombing it. There was like seven of us in this class. Mm-hmm. It was not going well. And the, the professor had to be out for like three uh, sessions. And so I had a substitute. Mm-hmm. That guy came in and for three days, those three sessions cleared up an entire half a semester for us. <laughs> That's awesome. Right? Like we all passed That's that class. Oh my goodness. We all passed that class because that substitute yep. in three days took these facts and made it connect and click it was with the us. same math it was same the math. same math yep same math. yep just yep. different community way of yep. communicating yeah right. absolutely so that's a great one it is so we want to get started with this discussion and we want to kind of talk about some uncomfortable truths yeah that if we don't recognize them they really do stand in the way of our discipleship mm-hmm. efforts so we're just going to go ahead and kind of jump right in a more and yeah. uh, the first one uh, it's it's culturally speaking, mm-hmm. and it really pertains to us here in this country. But culturally speaking, you and I and those that are in the church have to recognize that we do live in a mission field. Yeah. And we're not talking about in the general sense, like, oh, yes, I understand. Great commission, making disciples. Sure, everywhere is a mission field. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the fact that there's been a fundamental shift in the United States of America, as far as the level of openness and the level of biblical literacy and attitudes as it relates to Christianity and yep. things of the Bible. Uh, in fact, it, it we're at a point in our nation's history where we are just as unreached and biblically illiterate as many of the countries where we are currently sending missionaries. Exactly. And that may sound strange to some of our listeners' ears, but there's statistical data that backs it up. And so this is very much a foreign mission field. If, if that helps uh, some of you 
understand what we're talking about. We are, we are an unreached country. Mm-hmm. The presuppositions that we once held to that were people were very kind towards Christianity. Uh, they tended to see uh, the Bible, Jesus, the church as uh, good and positive things for the community, for the, mm-hmm. for the common dialogue about various issues and morals and values. That's all gone away. Yep. And the people that would be cla- really probably classified as biblical true believers that still hold to the authority and the truth of scripture without wavering on the fundamental truths of what the Bible teaches. Uh, we are an extreme minority. Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't know if anyone's done any stats on that. Um, but I would not be surprised if that has dipped below 10%. I'm not yeah. saying it has, I have got no, no reason statistically to think that just based on other statistics I've seen, about the state of theology in America, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, and that's a generous definition of what a Christian is. You yeah, know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think I, we may even be below like 10%. Yeah. I mean, I think you recall last week at our session with the church family, we talked about the number of people in our country who identify as Christians, which, which seems high. I mean, you're talking about numbers in the eighties and seventies percentile. But when you look at the number of people that are actually practicing Christians, it it drops more than half. Like even our oldest generation, those that are the part of the builder generation, like 83% of them identify as Christian. But when you see the ones that are actually practicing Christians, it's like 27, 28%. Yeah, that's, that's like a dramatic drop off. Why is that the case? And even if you think like the example you were using earlier, those of you that are listening to this podcast, just think about all the friends, the people that you associate with in your life or at work. How much do they value the local church? Because if you have friends that are not in church in some way, shape, or form, these are your non-church friends, for instance, the people with your family members, co-workers, whoever may, they, they may be, do they value the church? If your local church disappeared from the earth t- tomorrow, would they even notice? What we've talked about many times is the, the cultural... Um, uh, sort of benefit that we enjoyed in years past was that even though people didn't go to church, they saw the value of the local church in the community. Mm-hmm. That feeling, that idea is, is in many ways is disappearing rapidly from the consciousness of our culture. So we, we can't take for granted that they still want to come to church or even value that we're there, you know? And, and so if we're not careful as this slips away from their, their minds and their ways of thinking, we then begin to slip out of their minds and their ways of thinking. So we have to find a way to engage with the culture who is in many ways just forgetting about they're indifferent toward the church. Uh, we talk about them hating the church. There's a lot, there's a lot more of them. They're just indifferent. They just don't sure. really care. And that, that makes discipleship a real uh, uphill battle in many cases. Yeah, it really does. Because if we are still hanging on to the notion that uh, overall people really want to see Judeo-Christian values and Mm -hmm. morals implemented Mm -hmm. in our society. And that kind of leads us to, you know, have these conversations about Christ and people will be open receptive to that. We're really fooling ourselves. Exactly. And I think one of the reasons why it's so hard to believe that we've made this shift, it's it's not difficult to believe that a shift like this can be made. Because we mm-hmm. see, we have seen it happen in other places, you know, like Europe right. in particular. But I think for us here in America, what is really that line of disbelief is the speed in which this happens. Exactly. Because it's not like you're telling your kids or grandkids, hey, when I was your age, you know, 40, 50 years ago, what people really did love Jesus, they loved the church. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I can remember a time within the decade that people were more inclined to want to hear about Jesus and thought that the Bible had something to say. And so there's not this huge time gap. Mm -hmm. There's not this generation gap. Like this is in our own recent memory. It's happening in real time. Yeah. Yeah, We're watching it happen. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we tend to want to be a bit more nostalgic Mm -hmm. and kind of hang on to the way things were for a long time for us. Mm -hmm. And, the acceptance of the change 
is is very slow but we yeah. need to just understand the change has happened and it's going to continue to happen along this trajectory so we we need to go ahead and say we live in a mission field absolutely we, we, we can't assume what we used to assume about our neighbors about our uh, our leaders about mm -hmm. society as a whole and right. so that's really the first uncomfortable truth that we we need mm -hmm. to overcome and embrace uh, when it comes to discipleship the second one is more biblically speaking and that is that there are only two types of people in this world yeah there are lost people and there are saved people and even unfortunately i think in the church there's a tendency to want to maybe push back a little bit on that as uh, definitions of what mean what it means to be good or bad yeah uh, have altered as that change has come upon us mm -hmm. here in america mm -hmm. yeah it's impacting this idea that there really is this black and white dichotomy in scripture that god pre presents to us you are either lost or you're saved mm -hmm. and you know we've got a, we've got a number of verses that we can look at it's all mm -hmm. throughout scripture but if you just look at ephesians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 you know it moves you through from one state to the other yeah. and this this is what it says it says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants and promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's what it means to be lost, separated, alienated, having no hope without God in the world. That's that's what all of us once were. We all start in that category. Yeah. And so as the verse continues on, it's going to from 12 to 13, we see that second category of saved, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once, uh, who you who were once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Mm. So, what does it mean to be saved? It means to be brought near to God by the blood of Christ. And so, we see the sacri the sacrifice of Christ in there. We see the person of Christ in there, and that that transition from one state to the other is completely dependent on the person and work of Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. The, that's, and the, that's, that's the, just where we are. Uh, yeah. The, the brought near by the blood of Christ is a, is a testimony to believing the gospel, which, which involves includes believing that Jesus Christ died for my sin to, to pay for my sin. And now I believe in Jesus and now I trust in Jesus and I follow Jesus. There's yeah. no, kind of Christian, right? Even right. Jesus, when he called his disciples or when people came to him, he didn't allow them to live in the in-between kind of gray area. If yeah. you're going to follow me, he tells the rich young man, sell everything you have, give to the poor, and then follow me. He didn't say, just kind of come along as you feel like it. You could be kind of spiritual as so long as I, as you're as you're within earshot of my of my voice. No, it's leave behind what you have and follow me. So even Jesus himself draws very clear lines. And so we have to be able to see uh, the world the way Jesus saw the world, either as those who are following him and those who are not. And now what we'll get to in a minute, as you'll explain here for us in a minute, is there are varying degrees of lostness, right? Like there's people that are closer to coming to Christ than others, yeah. but they're all still lost. Right. right. And and Correct. there are those who are very new believers that you would call you would call maybe immature in the faith. And then there are those that are very mature in the faith, but they're all disciples, they're all believers. And the cross of Christ and the belief in that Jesus is the is the the line that separates the two. And I think we've become unhealthy in churches when we allow this sort of sort of grayish area around the cross. We can kind of come and go as you please picking and choosing what you want to believe and what you want to follow just as long as you have good intentions. And that's just not the gospel. And you don't find that anywhere in the new Testament defining what a Christian is. Yeah. It says just not on the law side, as no. you said, it's, it's on the, the safe yeah. side. Yeah. We, we like gray. I think mm. that's just a, a natural tendency of ours. We want to see the best in ourselves and in others. Mm-hmm. And that is so true now. Why? Because you've got this overwhelming narrative and worldview, particularly in the West, uh, that says you're good. You're yep. born good. Good is your default state. 
uh, whatever bad you do is not your fault. It's been kind of shoved on you. You're the victim of other you're a victim, uh, exactly. Yeah, right. other, of other forces that uh, have influenced you negatively, and and therefore you act out in ways you shouldn't. Of course, that's not at all what the Bible says, but it, it helps us understand why people would want to embrace this idea of being just okay. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you, you've got the neighbor, you know, that you know, they don't want anything to do with Jesus, with the Bible, but you know, they're just, man, they're so funny and they're so kind. They keep their yard up. They uh, must they, be, they must, must be. be. They love yeah. their spouse. You know, they do some great things with their kids. I mean, you've, you've heard them, you know, maybe comforting their child after a hard uh, loss uh, at a, you know, at a basketball game or something. And, you know, you just said, well, you know, they're, they're a lot like me and I go to church. Yeah. I'm a Christian. So what's wrong with them? And we don't look at the fact that their spiritual condition is lost, separated, alienated without hope or God. Mm-hmm. We just sort of look at the superficial expressions of their best efforts to be human yep, is what exactly. we're doing. And the same is true over on the save side. Mm. Uh, you've got someone that, you know, well, just for argument's sake, say that they did truly um, make a choice to believe, to put their faith in Christ for salvation. But then they just sort of sat back and was like, well, I can, I can, that's enough. I can do the church thing. I can sort yeah. of fold that into the rest of my life. I've got Jesus. I've got some spirituality. I believe what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I can check those boxes just fine. Um, and then, of course, we know we have those uh, that are just really cultural in their approach to Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's just sort of how they identify. Um, you know, in the same way I identify as a Tiger fan. Yeah, I ain't never, I ain't never played for LSU in, <laughs> in in no sport ever. Right, but I identify as a Tiger fan, and that's totally okay because I can do that. That's not how it works with Christianity. I can't nope. just identify with Christ or identify with His Church, and and never actually do and be the things that are required of me in Scripture. And so, but we let folks get away with it. Why? Well, because they're here. I mean, they showed up. They put some money in the plate, and again. Uh, they're nice. They don't cause trouble. They don't stir the pot. Yeah. Uh, you know what? What's it? What business? What business is it of mine? What they do at work? Right. You know, uh, as as long as everything is happy and we kind of feel unified uh, and and loving while we're together on Sunday mornings, isn't that really all that matters? That's what it's all about. Yeah. That's what yeah. it's all about. Yeah. And um, the Bible doesn't la- allow us to take either position, and so we we've mm-hmm. got to get rid of the gray. And we've got to look at things through the lens that Christ gives us in his word and that people are either lost or they're saved. And if they're lost as a disciple maker, I have a responsibility to that person. Yeah. And And if they are saved, I also have a responsibility to that person. Absolutely. And that's really a key question we have to ask is if my family member or my coworker or friend is saved, what are the implications of that? Yeah. If they're lost what are the implications of that? What do, it's it's not just that they're lost. There's there's a result. There's a consequence to that. What yeah. is it? If they're saved, what is the result? What is the consequence of that? And that's where our hearts should be stirred to either begin begin the steps to lead our lost friends and neighbors and coworkers to the Lord, or to continue discipling those that are saved to help them grow in their maturity. It's not just that you are a Christian or not a Christian, it's that there are deep implications to both of those that should stir our hearts to take action for the sake of, of those that are lost and for those that are saved. Yeah, absolutely. Which is yeah. what discipleship is. It is. It's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Discipleship means that we are actively carrying out the great commission of, of yeah. Christ, you know, to make disciples yeah. of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, teaching them to obey all that Christ has commanded. Mm-hmm. And so when we are making disciples, that means that we are engaging the lost so that they can hear and experience the gospel mm-hmm. of Jesus, which will result in their baptism as that outward expression of their mm-hmm. faith. And then we walk with them as believers and help them grow in faith and maturity, which results in them obeying all that Christ has commanded. That's the other end of that 
the Great Commission. Yep. So it's it's both of those things that we have to be to be working on. So the, the question then, then comes, well, practically speaking, what does that look like? What does it look like today? If things are mm-hmm. changing the way they are, then surely that has an impact on discipleship. And as we've already said, it most certainly it most certainly does. So let's kind of let's kind of break some of this down a little bit. Uh, we're going to first talk about the lost end of this process. So before coming to faith in Christ, and we're going to try to be helpful as much as we can because we want to give people some things that they can really hang their hat on mm-hmm. and understand that will just help them look at people through some easy lenses mm-hmm. that are biblical, but also that they can kind of remember how to yeah. break that down and they can know if this is the case with this person, what are, what options are available to me? What can I do to make disciples? So we're going to start off with the analogy of a traffic light. Everybody knows what a traffic light is. Exactly. Oh, at least they're supposed to. They're supposed to. Yeah, right. True. You may not always yeah. act like you know what a traffic light is, but you you know you go all over the world. People have that red, yellow, green traffic light hanging up uh, all over the place. So it's one yeah. that we all are familiar with. You know, and I was trying to think. Uh, for a good Seinfeld reference for this episode, Orn, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the idea of the traffic light uh, made me think of like episodes in Seinfeld where um, they've been in traffic. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's there's, a, there's actually a few of there's them. A few, yeah, there's a few. Where yeah, that's they've, exactly they've, right. they've been in, you know, there's the maroon golf deal yeah. where they're all just getting gridlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but probably the one Rick and Day Parade, yeah, Rick and Day Parade, yeah, but. There's one in particular that always cracks me up, and that's when Elaine is trying to get this boyfriend that she thought she liked. Yeah. But found out that she just hated his guts. She's mm-hmm. trying to get him to the airport in time. Yes. Because uh, they, they get up late. She can't stand for him to be another day. And man, they he's take gonna miss his flight. Miss his flight. And she's and determined. She, yes, very determined. Yeah. And so the the scene picks up where she comes into Jerry's apartment. George is there too, and she recounts the story <laughs> of her attempt to get this guy to the airport. And it's hilarious. It's hilarious. She was still wearing her nightgown. She didn't even it's change still, clothes. Yeah. She yep. made him get dressed. She packed his bag for him in a matter of minutes and like rushed him off. And she didn't even put any clothes like her regular day clothes on. She just wore her nightgown out to the airport because she was so determined to get this guy yeah. out of her life. And the look on her face when she walks in Jerry's apartment is of, of like she was living in a different world in that moment. Yeah. And she said, I've never driven that fast <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like going through this story and yeah. she's apparently doing well. Like she's like on track to get Mm -hmm. this bum to the airport. And then comes that line. And then we got to the Van Wick, the Van Wick. (laughs) Like I've never been in New York city. I'd love to go one day. So of course I've never driven in that area, but you know, I don't have to be a New Yorker to the way she delivers that line. Mm -hmm. I, all of a sudden I get it. Right. We, We all have that one, traffic area mm-hmm. it just seems to be absolutely annoying you know i ten by the bridge rush hour yeah right? there's nothing you can do it's about just, it yeah. there's nothing you can do about it yeah and so you know sometimes we feel like there's nothing we can do when it comes to this daunting task of making disciples mm-hmm. and uh, as, as i cleverly segue back to our topic here yeah but that idea of traffic that idea of red light yellow light, green light is going to be something that can help us so that when we hit the Van Wick in, in uh, yeah, discipleship, life, yeah, yeah. We, we know what to do. So That's let's, right. let's start with, let's start with red light. Yeah. Uh, people understand what a red light is. The red light means stop. Mm-hmm. And so for lost people, red light folks, they're the ones that, well, they're just closed off. They don't want to hear about your Jesus. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've been burned uh, you know, earlier in life, you know, in church, maybe they are part of another religion altogether. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're atheist, agnostic, wh- whatever it is, that uh, they just, they don't want anything to do with Christianity, with Jesus, religion. It's just not for them. And so they're very closed off, slam that door uh, in your face, maybe even literally in your face. Yeah. Uh, and they can be hostile sometimes, not always, 
not all red light people are hostile. I don't want to paint them in that light, but sometimes you do run into that person who's just belligerent whenever Jesus is brought up and they are difficult um, for a reason. And nobody likes to have to be in that level of confrontation, but yet um, they're there. They're lost. They need the gospel. So what can you and I do in order to, to, to begin walking with them to, yeah, one, to help them, to help them at least begin to be more oriented towards uh, the gospel message. Yeah. They're at a full stop. Like they're yeah. at a red light. They're stopped yeah. and they have no plans of, of going anywhere. They are um, at worst completely hostile and they hate the idea of religion or especially Christianity or at best. They're just, um, they're just resistant to any any kind of, of faith or trusting in Jesus at all, and so they're they're not moving. They're 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 stuck, and so the work to to build a relationship with them and get them from that point forward is very difficult because they're sort of dug in, um, and it can be a hard road uh, to to walk with them. Um, and so that that red light group can be often frustrating because we often know people like that, that we dearly love. Oh, sure. And they just seem to be so resistant to anything religious or anything Christian. I know that that can be a difficult place to be. It, it is, especially when it's someone that we do. Lo- we love. We know yeah. them. And you've you've tried to, to, to get through that thick outer shell that they've put up and. You know, the conversations don't go well. Right. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't mean that we not engage with them. But what are some things we can do for the red lights in our lives? Well, for any any lost person, whether they're difficult or not, we can pray. We yes, should be faithful to always. pray for them, to lift them up before the Lord. You know, the Bible talks about how God stands kings on their feet. And if God can stand kings on their feet, then he can move in the heart of you know your lost coworker or nephew or neighbor and so let's let's not just uh, think that because their hearts are hard that well that's it for them they're pray. just done right exactly. pray yeah. just just keep praying we we hear stories about particularly uh, parents moms especially praying for those kids that are just so resistant and they're like 20 years 30 years later that child comes to faith yes yeah. so just keep praying um and i'll just go ahead and add in there don't give up you know no. that consistent prayer uh has to be met with this attitude of i'm, I'm never going to give up on this person exactly what what good is it if you yeah. do right, right. yeah You're the door may, if you give up right absolutely the door may be closed on you ever sharing again you know mm-hmm. sometimes that happens it's 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 that severe in that relationship mm-hmm. and you've shared and you've shared and it's, you know, you, you can't share again, um, right. but you, you're just going to pray, but you're not going to give up. You're just going to let the spirit work in a situation, but we can always live up the gospel absolutely, because you know, people are watching to see if our lives match the message that we're mm-hmm. sharing. Mm-hmm. And so we need to live out the gospel. Uh, we need to be, you know, as the old saying goes to practice what you preach. Exactly. And it's not just, well, what routine do you have on Sunday? Well, it's, it's how do you live your life the rest of the week? Yep. Uh, when you are out in the yard with your, your kids, does your, your faith inform your interaction and your instruction and your discipline with those kids? Mm-hmm. Or are you like lost parents who have no foundation of that? Um, what about uh, you with your spouse? Uh, when mm-hmm. they see you with your spouse, that is the the gospel coming through in your marriage. Yeah. Uh, if they if it's a coworker, you know that's that red red light person. Do they see a difference in you, or you know, do you kind of skim off the company like everybody else because that's just what they do, or you know, do you manipulate and connive and cheat to get ahead and climb mm-hmm. the ladder like everyone mm-hmm. else. Yeah. So is, is the gospel being lived out in your life? So red light people often need to see our faith in action. Exactly. Um, and so we have to, we have to absolutely 100% pray for them, live out that gospel 
and just never give up. You never know. Uh, but one thing I will say about red light people is while you're praying for them, while you're living out the gospel in front of them, don't fixate on them. Right. Okay. Because if you, if you end up fixating on them, they're, they're that one sort of evangelism project, so to speak, mm-hmm. that you have, you're not going to share with other people because you're just going to go back and back and back to that same closed off person in the hopes that they will, you you will eventually break through. Guess mm-hmm. what? You won't break through. Can the Holy spirit break through? Yes, he can leave it for the Holy spirit. Keep praying, keep mm-hmm. living out in front of them, but That's move good. on. Absolutely. Move yeah, on. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're here, your Christian witness is, is the, likely the only thing that they're going to know of Jesus and how, so how you live your life is, is really going to be the the primary means by which you invite them at least into a conversation about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so pray for them first, but don't only pray for them when you're with these people, let them see Christ in how you speak and how you live your life. And that very well me very well may be the, the means by which God opens a door uh, for you to share the gospel with them. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. So those are red lights. So yeah. next on the spectrum would be the, the yellow light. Yellow lights. Or now what do some people think yellow light means? Go faster. Go faster. Man. <laughs> you, can, you can beat this. But in reality, we know, according to the law, yellow light means use caution, slow down. Mm-hmm. And so for the yellow light people, these are folks that are more open uh, and they're questioning. Uh, they may not be religious per se. Maybe they flirted with that. Maybe they got an upbringing in their past, maybe as a child. But they're seeking to know well, what's what's really true. Mm-hmm. But they're just not so open that they're just like, oh, give, give me this Jesus you're telling me about. But they have some serious questions. They, they don't mind hearing you talk about your faith. Mm-hmm. And so we, we all know yellow light people that are like that. They're opening, they're questioning. So what, mm-hmm. what can we do? Well, for starters, Hey, share your story. Your testimony, if you want to call it, that uh, is something that is, has a lot of weight to it because it's your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can argue with it all you want to, but it's kind of foolish because it happened to you. And so our stories still today have a lot of value with people because that happened to us. They can't go back and say, well, that's your truth. Right. That's not my truth. It happened. No. It's either truth you or know? not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so tell your story, be, be willing to share that. And, and not just like, well, I need like a gospel story where I talk about my life before, when I came to Christ, my life mm-hmm. after, you know, that threefold formula, it could be about what Christ has done in other areas of your life. After you came, you've become a Christian. Mm-hmm. You may want to say, uh, I have a story about what Christ did, you know, when you were struggling with a health issue mm-hmm. or when you lost your job that time and you didn't know how you were going to support your family or, yeah. you know, when uh, your uh, a parent died unexpectedly and uh, there was all this, you know, emotional turmoil and, and, and not to mention all the financial burden that all of a sudden mm-hmm. fell on you and, you know, just real life stuff that Jesus helps you through. Those yeah. are valid stories of faith that are true, that really happen, that you can share. Mm-hmm. And so while we always want to be able to share the gospel and should be prepared to share the gospel, uh, don't forget those aspects of our story that help connect that yellow light person's story with the greater story of God yeah, it's, and, and in real ways. And one of the challenges is to, when you're sharing that, to make a distinction about why Jesus is better. Yeah. Because the, some of these yellow light folks may be, uh, air quotes, spiritual, right? Like they may yes. think of spiritual things or talk about spiritual things. They may be fascinated yeah. with all of the world religions. It's important for us as Christians to make that distinction that this is why Jesus stands alone. This is why yeah. he's different from all the other uh, religious systems and beliefs in the world. And so being clear about that may bring on deeper conversation because people that are curious about religion may want to know more about why the Christian faith is 
at least supposedly different, and then you could actually show them why it's different. And so it's important for us to understand where they are in their sort of spiritual journey in this sort of uh, yellow light description that, that we're using so that we can address their concerns, their questions, or mm-hmm. even ask them questions that causes them to kind of think through answers that maybe they haven't considered before. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt, so true. And so, yeah, do do share those stories with yellow mm-hmm. light people. And also one thing that we can do is open up our homes. And what I mean yeah. by that really is more along the lines of hospitality, because I, I get for some people the idea of opening up your home really freaks you out because you are maybe a bit of an introvert and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm an introvert. My wife's an introvert. Uh, people drain us. Uh, we love people. We love to serve people. <laughs> but the fact mm. of the matter is, is God's just wired us in a way that, you know, our, our batteries get worn down low uh, quickly uh, with a lot of folks. Yeah. But we can still find ways to be hospitable. And so I talk about opening up your home because the home environment is one of those great places where people need to see us living out our, our faith. And so even if you don't, you know, have, uh, you know, dinners and invite your neighbors over, even if you don't host the big shindig on 4th of July for your neighborhood, Mm -hmm. uh, you can still find ways to connect with your neighbors, uh, whether it be in your yard, whether it be uh, just a kind word, but in from very intentional ways where you're inviting people to get to know you more. And so it it may be that around Christmas time, you bake some cookies and just take them to some neighbors. Hey, I just uh, wanted to, you know, as we're celebrating the birth of our Lord, we wanted to just bless you with a gift. Mm -hmm. Or maybe uh, you've got a meal that um, you've got plenty of it. You just call them up and say, hey, I just, we got a big pot of gumbo here. Can't eat it all. You want to come get some. And it's not something that's going to be, you know, invasive where they're just going to, they're going to be here for three hours. You know, you, yeah. it's going to be, you <laughs> oh, know, no. they're going to be in and out 10 minutes, you know, yeah, yeah. Still just being hospitable and opening up the home. Now for, for others, I mean, you thrive off this. You hope they're going to be there for three hours Yeah, yeah because sure. you want to talk. You want to get the, the board games and the cards out. Mm-hmm. You, you just want to have a big time and that's great. But if lost people don't ever connect with us, outside of the spiritual conversations, yeah. uh, then then they are going to have a hard time building relationships with us. And relationships are really key. So opening up yeah. our home is important. Absolutely. Yeah. And and letting them see you outside of work or yeah. uh, sort of more formal, formal settings lets them see that you're a real person and you have a real life and a real family. And yeah. um, you're willing to uh, to talk about why Jesus matters in all of those circumstances. And so what you're doing is introducing them to um, to more than just what they're able to see, especially if it's like a someone that you work with or someone you only see at the ballpark or whatever it may be. You're inviting them into your life. And hospitality is one of the best ways that we can introduce our lives to, to, to people so that they can see uh, the impact that Christ makes uh, in all parts of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. It does. It's, it's just great to be open and vulnerable and to, to use that hospitality to start mm-hmm. bridging those, those gaps as we build yep. relationships with people. And, you know, one of the things that is a good old standby that I think people still need to do is invite people to Bible study or mm-hmm. to their church. Yep. Uh, you know, that never grows old. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the things that we're discovering with these younger generations, but even as people become more unchurched is they're still very spiritual. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have curiosity. Yellow light people are very curious people. Yes. And they may not want to believe in the gospel, but they would sure like to know what exactly does it really say? Mm-hmm. And so uh, we've actually, I've, I've actually read some great articles, particularly coming out of Europe where they've been trying to deal with, with a post-Christian society for decades now and inviting lost people with whom they have relationships with to study the Bible together has been huge in bringing people to faith in Christ. Yeah. Because there's a relationship there. Number one, that's, what's key. They've known this person for 
three, four, five years. Okay. This hospitality thing, sharing your story thing. It's, it's been going on that whole time. Okay. It's, it's obvious this person's a Christian. Yeah. And then the questions start to come all the more and they want to know the Christian's perspective on this or and that. Mm-hmm. And then one day the person's like, Hey, you know, why, why don't you just check out what the Bible says for yourself? Would you be willing to sit with me and study the gospel of John? Yeah. And it's incredible. The percentage of people, the high percentage of people at that point who say yes. Yeah. And stick with it. Mm-hmm. Like they will go through the whole gospel. Yeah. Because once a relationship is built, then that lost person, that yellow light person doesn't fear the Christian. Right. They, they, because they've, they've warmed up to them. Yeah, They've yeah. warmed up to them. So they don't mm-hmm. see them as someone who is just going to be judgmental. Mm-hmm. They see someone who cares about them, who is genuinely concerned about their life, their well-being, their, their marriage, their family. And mm-hmm. so when the invitation is, hey, come study the Bible with me, or hey, we've got this great Easter program. You should come with me to church. They, well, they'll actually do it. Not because, yeah, not, yeah. not because to them Jesus is suddenly better but because that Christian is so much more relatable and trustworthy of them that whatever they have to say, I can, I know I can take it and I'm safe with them. Absolutely. They're not trying to change me. Right. Exactly. Like it's for Christians. It's so important for us to know, like, look, 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 friend, I'm not trying to change you, but I really want Jesus to, you know, like, yeah, like we have to right. be honest about it. I'm not interested in changing you because I can't, but yeah. I do want you to know what I know. Yeah. And sometimes and many, many times in our post-Christian world, there's a lot of buildup to that point at which you can say, this is why this is important to me. And I want to share that with you. As we've often talked about, discipleship starts long before they become followers of Jesus. That's exactly right. And the yellow light person is primed to at the very least sit down and have some of those conversations about spiritual matters. And your opportunity as a Christian is to share why Jesus is better than all the other options. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So don't be afraid to make that invitation once you are really developing that relationship with someone. But another thing that we can do, particularly with yellow light people, is to offer them Christian resources. Yep. Man, we are just jammed up with Christian resources yeah, these we got days. Plenty, plenty. Uh, I mean, for example, I could think of a really quality podcast uh, that, <laughs> that could be, potentially be offered to someone. Um but in all in all seriousness, yeah. I mean, you look at the amount of good Christian resources that are out there. There's a lot of bad Christian resources out there too, yeah, quote oh, unquote absolutely. Christian. Absolutely. But just the good stuff, uh, books, videos, audio. Uh, there's a lot, and they come in uh, with dealing with topics on things that matter to people. Mm-hmm. Resources on parenting, resources on marriage, resources on business. Uh, resources on leadership, resources on mentoring. I mean, just resources on so many different topics that sometimes a yellow light person would gladly take a Christian resource offered in good faith. Why? Because they want answers. And if yeah, they've exactly. got a relationship with you, they may not take the the chick track. You remember those, Orn? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, right. I in, do. Kind of the, the in-your-face, you know, uh, you know, type of um, presentation of the gospel. They may not take the, the track, but they'll take a, they'll listen to a podcast or they'll watch a series of videos about how to read the Bible mm-hmm. um, because they're just, they just want some answers. And those are yeah. good entries into larger conversations about the gospel. So don't, don't hesitate to identify good Christian resources and be willing to offer those to people. You'll be surprised. Exactly. He'll, he'll take them. Absolutely. People will, people that are searching for answers will at very least consider the solutions you present to them. And if it's a book or a pamphlet or a track or um, or a video or a podcast, they may very well explore that for a while to see if there's not something there that they feel like they need that maybe they haven't considered before. And so we have an opportunity to share these resources with them. And you never know how God can use that to, to, to move them along further in, into knowing Christ. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. So know what those resources are, be willing to, to offer them. Mm-hmm. And look, you can also always offer to pray for someone. And again, that's a good old standby, but let me just uh, say, um, give a little caveat there. 
in these days when people are very spiritual but not really committed to anything mm -hmm. uh, you have a, a very much a pluralistic society yeah. Uh, you need to be specific when you say, I I'd like to pray for you. Yes. Um, who in the world are you praying to? Yep. And so I always encourage when we say that, particularly to lost people, just go ahead and say, do you mind if I, I pray for you in the name of Jesus? Mm -hmm. Like, Just be specific. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that really shocked me is you, you and I have been doing a lot of research in Gen Z. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the studies that talked about um, these that identify as nothing, right? right? Mm -hmm. But they still pray. Mm, it's, <laughs> it's so interesting. It is, yes. isn't it, though? It just, yeah, seems, it, it just seems so bizarre. If you don't really believe in anything, why would you pray? But yeah. the reality is there's that, that deep um, void of the divine in all of us. It's just mm -hmm. missing and yeah. our, our, our very soul and heart yearns for it. So even when we say, I'm not just not into religion, we, st we still want to know what's true. Mm -hmm. and we still want something greater than ourselves, even if we can't verbalize that. Yeah. So it's so people, fascinating. People yeah. will, they'll accept prayer. Oftentimes, you'll very rarely, I think, even these days, be turned down. Uh, but I would be—I would just make a point. Not, don't like to beat them over the head, but just be specific. Mm -hmm. You mind if I pray for you in Jesus' name? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's so interesting how because people are not closed off to spiritual things, that they're willing for you to pray for them to who, whichever God or Lord you believe in, because they know at the very heart of it, it's not going to cost them anything. And maybe just maybe it might help, you know, you, know, yeah. you never know what, what right. your God or what your Lord may do for me. So sure. Pray for me all you want. Um, I may not believe what you believe, but it can't hurt me, you know? Yeah. And so it's, but it's fascinating to me how they're willing to accept that, even though they would reject, if you brought, presented the gospel to them, they very well might reject its, its very principles right. for their own good, but they're willing to accept the prayer to that God for their own sake. And so yeah. they are open to, um, to having conversations about uh, knowing Jesus and prayer could be, a, and again, another open door to that conversation. Yeah, for sure. And another thing we can do with yellow light people, and I think this is something, uh, you know, to, to dive into a little bit deeper another time, but um, this is introducing them to our Christian friends. Yes. Because one of the things that happens, particularly in Christianity, is that the longer we are believers, the more we tend to associate with believers. Yes. Now, there's nothing wrong with associating with believers. We're meant to be in community as followers of Jesus. But unfortunately, we tend to distance ourselves from those who are lost. Yes. And so what we end up with, in some cases, this is very much true in younger generations, they have their Christian friends. They've got those circles of Christian friends that they do uh, acceptable Christian things with. Mm -hmm. And then they have a circle of lost friends yeah. that yeah. that they do kind of lost friend things with. And I'm not saying they go out and do like horrible, commit crimes or whatever. But, right. you know, they just they go places. They do things that they feel my Christian friends really wouldn't, wouldn't really right. want to do this. Right. But they have these two worlds, right? It's like the, it's like Elaine having the bizarro uh, friends yes. and the real yes. the real friends there in Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. And so, for us as believers moving forward, and as we talk about making relationships with people for the sake of the gospel, we have to start finding ways for our worlds to collide. Yeah, um, they have to meet each other. Mm -hmm. And it's not in a like uh, overwhelming shock and all way like, well, I'm going to I'm going to invite Charles over to supper. And what he doesn't know is that eight believers are going to be there and we're just going to like pounce ambush. on this guy. Yeah. Ambush. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> nothing of the sort. In fact, it ought to be opposite. Yes. Um, start with your unchurched friends. And so you're, if you, you're having the 4th of July barbecue and you, if you, you're having your lost neighbors over, invite a trusted Christian, a church friend mm -hmm. into that mix. Someone that knows what's up, that knows that, hey, we're not here to like 
you know, we're here to proselytize, right? But I just want you to, to introduce you to some of my other friends, and I want them to know you because you're a great guy, you live out the gospel, and you're inviting them into a deeper, long-term relationship with yeah. these with these uh, unchristians, these non-Christians, and they're not intimidated by unbelievers either. They understand right, what right. their what their role is. They're confident in their faith, and so they'll yeah. be able to field questions and get challenged and, and yeah. stand their ground. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, typically, what happens when our worlds collide is we get more and more bleed over. Yeah. Our our lost friends are becoming they're coming into community with our saved friends, mm-hmm. and that builds relationship, which builds trust. Which suddenly uh, creates this phenomenon in community, where ideas presented within community aren't as nutty and goofy, right? Mm-hmm. The the flat earther standing out there by himself really looks like a goob- goober, and he thinks he's yeah. a goober. Right. But the moment he goes to some flat Earth convention, he goes, "Hey, I'm, I'm not I'm not insane at all. These are my people." Right? Yeah. 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 And yeah. so there's there's this this group think phenomenon that we see. And, and I'm not trying to be manipulative with the gospel here at all. But what happens in people with people's mind is if they are with more people that believe the Bible. So if it's just you, it's yeah. just Oren and his unchurched friends. Oren's a weirdo. Yeah. But suddenly if Oren and if Dave and if someone else are there consistently in relationship with that people with an orange can't be that big a nut because right. these, no, these normal people believe the same thing too. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe there's not something as crazy as I thought about the church and about Christ. Yeah. And so that's why it's important for our worlds to collide. Exactly. Uh, we, we need to start making those, those introductions little by little and, and allowing those relationships to form. Yeah, and just understand when when you're inviting people into your life, it's not like we got to convert them tonight. Like tonight is yeah. is the time. If we don't do it now, we'll never get a chance. Listen, there no one promised tomorrow. Certainly, that's right. Like this, yeah. this is going to be a slower game over the long period of time. Like you're going to have to take your time. That's exactly right. Build trust so that they trust when you sit down and say, "Look, I want to share with you why Jesus matters." They'll be, they'll at least be willing to listen. Uh, it takes it takes it takes a much longer time for sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. All right. So I, I, I tell you what, Oren, this has been a great conversation, but we're, we're, we're nearing an hour here and yes. we've got over half the cover. So why don't we yeah. do this? Let's cover green light. And then we will, we'll just a bonus episode, everyone. Yeah. Bonus episode where we will talk about the categories of the disciple of the, of the saved. Yeah. Uh, so you definitely don't want to miss that. It's equally as important as what we're discussing in this episode. So let's jump into green light. And of course, green light means go, yep. All go, the way. go, yep. go. Yep. These are people that, man, they are seeking, uh, as some people would uh, maybe call them low hanging fruit. They're the easy ones to, to, to pick, right? Yep. Uh, they're, Man, the spirit's been working on them and working on them, and they just need someone to point them in the right direction, answer some questions, and then they're off to the races. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, we do all these things like we do for the previous two categories, but specific things we can do for green light people is we can help establish an understanding of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because someone is very keen on following Jesus doesn't mean that they understand which Jesus they're following. Exactly. Okay. There's, there's some false gospels out there. We need to understand that. Uh, yeah, a bunch. And so we need to make sure that what they are wanting to put their faith in is the true gospel. And so it's being able to know the gospel well enough ourselves to listen to them and being willing and loving enough to correct them uh, when they express uh uh, Edward T, um, errant teachings about the gospel that, that maybe they've picked up from places and help them to see in scripture uh, what really is true. Yep. So we, we need to make sure that we do that. Uh, we need to clarify misconceptions about what it means to be a Christian. Yes. Uh, we all bring baggage into our life as new believers, mm-hmm. all of us. All of us, without yes. exception, um, you know, we we go back into scripture, 
You know, when we look at the baggage that a guy like Peter brought in to his oh, faith man. when yeah. he was struggling with the command that Jesus had made to make disciples of all people. Yeah. He was like, I hear it and I believe it, but I just not sure I can go to the Gentiles and, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and some visions later and reprimand from, from Jesus himself and the vision yeah. that he finds himself at the house of Cornelius. Yeah. Uh, so we all bring baggage into our, 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 our lives as new believers. And so it's very common for people to do that. So we need to help maybe help them address some of those things because they may be thinking, okay, so once I become a, a follower of Jesus, now how many times a day do I need to pray? Uh, I don't want to miss any. Exactly. Um, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So how much money do I have to give uh, each week? Or is it like every two weeks? You know, we're, we're, tell me the rules because yes. we all default a lot of times to a works-based mindset. And so even though we've been introduced to a gospel of grace, mm. our thought is, well, I, sh- I got to do something once I get this right. Exactly. Yeah. I got to uh, earn it. I have to earn it. Yes. I got to earn it. Yes. yes. So clarify and, those misconceptions. And to your point earlier about praying with, with yellow light folks in the name of Jesus, it is, uh, again, it's cl- you have to make clear in the gospel presentation to those that are ready to believe something the Jesus that they're believing in. We need to, we need to know who Jesus really is so we can give them an accurate picture. I often say God's love is unconditional, but discipleship with Christ is very conditional. Jesus set some very, very clear conditions on what it means to be his follower. He puts it throughout all of his teachings. And the Bible is clear that if we're, if we're going to follow Jesus, there are some expectations that God has of us. So we need to be able to communicate that with the green light folk, because what we don't want is to make it easy for them to believe, easy for them to follow Jesus or what yeah. they think is following Jesus. And then when they actually start digging into it and go, wait a minute, this isn't what I signed up for. We have to be honest about about the, the beauty and the wonder of the gospel, mm-hmm. but also the reality of what it means to follow Christ in this world, all the while making sure they understand that it's still better to have Jesus than whatever else the world has to offer. And so I think what we fail people a lot of times is they're ready to believe something we give them sort of a truncated view of Christ and his gospel. And then once they start following Jesus, they realize, wait, this is not what I signed up for. So it's yeah. really important for us to be clear about it at the front end. So there are none of these you know, major shockers later in on, 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 on the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. It's so important. It's, it's better to go through that with someone and honestly have them walk away from Christ than to think they're saved. Yes. Um, and to go through life uh, still in their sins and mm-hmm. justly under God's wrath. So, um, yeah, the, don't be afraid to, to work on that and clear up those misconceptions. And, of course, lastly, for the green light folks, we want to call for a response. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to just leave it hanging out there, you know, that, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm really, really thinking about this Christianity thing very seriously. Be like, well, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, we call for a response. We need to ask them, what are you wanting to do? What are you going to do with, with this Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to take him or leave him? Are you going to believe in him? Are you going to go your own way? Uh, you, you can't be on the fence about this. Uh, you know, we, we do that with other things in our life. We want people to make a decision. Not be, don't be wishy-washy. The same thing is true with, Christianity. It's not, it's not offensive to call for a response. Not at all. Not at all. It's, 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 it may, maybe the thing that helps them, you know, clicks that says, Oh, okay. There's an action on my part to say yay or nay yeah. to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with saying, what do you yeah. want? Right. Rather you than want? just reflecting on it. Lots of right. people can reflect on it and reflect correctly on it. If what you present you about it? As, as a good idea and they only ever think of him as a good idea, yeah. then that's all he'll ever be. He'll never be Lord. He won't even be Savior. He'll just be an idea. Yeah. So calling for a response is asking them, is this what you want? Do you want to follow Jesus? And the answer is yes, this is what I want. Well, now you have a disciple. You're walking into uh, a life following Jesus. And so there's nothing wrong with us saying, hey, is this what you want? Do you want to do this? you want to follow Christ? Uh, I think we should do more of that, certainly in our relationships yeah. with those green light folks that we have in our lives. Absolutely. And even if you're like, you know what, I'm not really ready 
to respond yet. That's okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. okay. You've at least given them the chance. You've shown them that that's a requirement mm -hmm. that we do have to respond to this and come back later. You know, yeah. if they're not ready, like what, what's, 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 what's holding you up? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe there's some questions that they've not expressed and that call to response suddenly exposed them. And you exactly. can, again, you can begin helping them uh, to, to answer those and to move uh, closer to faith in Christ. Yeah. So there we go. Red Perfect. light, yellow light, green light, people. Those are your lost categories. I hope that's helpful. Yes. Uh, I hope a way to, for you to think about folks. Mm -hmm. And so like I just uh, do, do yourself a, a favor, seriously. You know, after you listen to this podcast, take a few minutes and just think about people, you know, you know, now, not like you, you knew them back in college or something like that, but the yeah. people, you know, now, who fit into these three categories. Yeah. Who do you know that's a red light, a yellow light, and a green light? And then based on what we've been talking about, uh, just think specifically about how you can be a disciple maker to each of those those people in the categories as you've placed them. Mm. Um, and let's, let's really be intentional about making disciples. And next week, God willing, We'll bring you part two of this, um, this <laughs> second episode, yes. Discipleship, uh, How Do We Do It? And yeah. we will talk about the categories of, of, of a disciple mm -hmm. and how we help believers along that spiritual journey. Following Jesus, growing in Jesus, and then teaching others to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that. And thank you all for joining us today. This first half of a two-parter on discipleship. Dave, thank you for sharing this. It's, a lot of this stuff is uh, Dave sort of uh, put together and, and worked on uh, to present to our church family uh, this past Sunday evening in a series that we're doing with our church family on discipleship. So thankful for that and all the work he's put into helping this become a little more clear for all of us about what it means to uh, be a disciple maker and approaching people in our lives that are in different stages of their spiritual development. Um, so we know how to pray for them and how we can relate to them so that ultimately, as we said at the very beginning, they come to follow Jesus and grow in their faith. Definitely so. And so until next week, yep. we please encourage uh, you to follow us on Instagram at footnotable. You can also find us on Facebook uh, at facebook.com backslash Footnotable podcast. And if you will go on YouTube and search Footnotable, we are the very first thing to come up because there is no other Footnotable on YouTube. It's us, baby. Original. So, only ones. so for each of these, make sure you subscribe, follow, whatever you need to do. Uh, go on iTunes if you listen to, uh, by the, in, in that way and give us five stars and a great rating so that other folks can find us. And yeah. we look forward to to talking to you again next week. See y'all next week.